Mike, how many mass shootings have there been this year? I uh, just checked, it's 303 in this, and that's four, four people or more. Four people or more shot, 303 more mass shootings than there have been days in the year. Correct, yeah. And mass shootings are less than 3% of all gun violence. So that's less than 3% of all gun violence. How many mass shootings were there last year? Uh, we're on similar pace. 2021 was the, the most prior, so we're on similar pace to be about 600. 600 mass shootings last year. 300? 303 this as of year. today. Two today, I think, is what I saw already this morning. Somebody say, Lord have mercy. Lord have mercy. Now, Mike, I'm from a military family. My dad is Air Force, um, non-commissioned officer, built B-52 bombers. My brother is a retired Army general, flew helicopters in Fallujah and like Afghanistan. I mean, helicopters with guns. Let me be crystal clear. So I'm a pacifist who has a military family. And I can't pretend that I don't understand that some people need a pistol in their glove compartment or in their house because they live in a neighborhood and they need to protect themselves. Or they need a small gun to hunt deer. I, I wouldn't shoot deer because I, I just don't think that would be any fun for me. Mm -hmm. But still. This conversation isn't about that, right? It isn't about that. Right. What, what is it about? Well, I think there's, I mean, we can connect the two issues if we want to stay here longer, but I think that there's something about wanting to provide safety and security for you and your own, right. and that's, that's something that we should all strive for, but I think we've individualized it so much that we want to have that sword at the ready at whatever cost to whoever wants to kind of come against us. But when we do that, we start, the more closer we cling to that sword, the less, or the less time, the less imagination we have to work with our community to figure out alternative ways to keep, our, keep each other safe. You know, there's safety in numbers, and there's, yeah, that's real, that's a real thing, right? We know things like dogs in the home keep us safer than a gun in the home. A gun is three times more likely to be used against you or someone you love than it is against an intruder. And that gets higher if you're a woman, and higher if you identify as BIPOC or LGBTQ person. And it just keeps increasing the more marginalized space you occupy. So the, more, the more marginalized space you occupy, the, the more, more at risk for gun violence you are. You are at risk for gun violence even when you own a gun, quote, to protect yourself. Correct. Right? Yeah. yeah. That, does that surprise you? Yeah, okay. Because my people are helping us. So it's okay. Yeah. So I just want to check in. Yeah. yeah. The, um, what I found to be really fascinating about this text, my team knows I'm an exegetical geek, the same, same exact text almost exactly is in Micah. Yeah, that's my favorite uh, version. That's your favorite, and, and that version ends with you having your own, your, like you end with a safe personal right. space in life, right? Because, yeah, divine and fake. Because right, you have this transformed moment between the two texts, I think what's really interesting to me, Mike, is um, one, there's a transformation that's expected that Isaiah the prophet expects God's people to have because they run into God, because they get in the way of God. 
because they go to the hot church and sit and fan themselves, because they, they study God's word, because they participate in activities that teach them who God is, and they'll hear the word of God, they'll know the word of God, and they'll be transformed. Mm -hmm. That they will have their lives changed, their values changed, their worldview changed, because they take on the worldview and the value of God. And in this text, God isn't like a warrior God. God is a teacher. Mm. Come learn about God. Come study God. Come be transformed through the knowledge of God. And God is a judge. I couldn't help but be cheeky in my thinking that, you know, this judge, <laughs> God as judge is not God as SCOTUS. You know, this, this, this judge is just and right and righteous and loving and is not, you know, enacting a white supremacist nationalist agenda masquerading as Christian-ish life. Right. But we'll talk about that more another time. Um, <laughs> this way that God is a righteous judge who will help arbitrate peace among the nations. Right. That is both political, real nations, yeah. but also among the people. So in a way, the writer of Isaiah is saying God is our protector. Yeah, 100% that when we are in that space, we actually, the forge, we need to get out there. It's burning hot. We talk about it like the burning bush, yeah. right? That you're in the presence of God. You're in the presence of transformation. And when you're in that space, you start to recognize the things around you that push you towards violence or push you towards, towards God, toward that space of God where we can be in right relationship with each other. Um, and, and you can kind of compare that if you want to Pharaoh's hardened heart that yeah. come and leaving from this space that's been so hardened you try and create this space around you that is just perfect and protective and safe, and eventually it leads you to a cave where you're all alone, and that's the only way you can protect yourself. And God draws us out of those spaces. I love the way you said that. Eventually our fear, our, our greed, our lust, thirst for power, sends us away from each other into gated communities, uh, into a fortress. Uh, into boundaries that are thick and not porous and away from community. Right, yeah. Yeah, and, and really, that, I would say that I probably occupied similar spaces to that until the work of Raw Tools that brought me into spaces that I had not been familiar with or used to, and it opened me up to systemic realities. I come from a Mennonite church that separation of church and state can't be far enough. Like, yeah. we, we want it as far away as possible. And so much so that, I, like, the generation older than me has stories of registering to vote as it being, like, a heresy. Yeah. Uh, because we didn't want to participate in that system. And yet, now, the younger generations are, are seeing the influence they can have for the rights of marginalized folks by casting their votes for others. Yeah, and you know, this text in Isaiah and in Micah um, doesn't actually allow us the opportunity to pretend that our faith isn't political. This is a political text. This is Isaiah speaking prophecy to God's people about God's politics, about God's economy. And in fact, um, it's, it's more difficult to trace, but making a spear and making a sword in antiquity was an expensive project. You know, metal, fine metal, steel, um, um, the ability to heat something up so hot to shape it. Lots of hands touched a sword, lots of hands touched a spear, and it was an expensive endeavor. But a blacksmith could heat it up and 
you know, bang it back out again and make it something useful to till earth, to till life. Right. And that, I think, is God breaking down have, have not, inside gate, outside gate, wealthy enough to build or buy or have a spirit or sword or just being a common person and making, needing to be able to like, cut, the, cut the ground so you can grow some wheat. Right, yeah, and it pulls us into a practice of cultivating, like agriculture requires community. We, it requires care of creation for us to benefit from that as a community, and that's totally opposite of the sword. It's pulling us into a new practice, not just exchanging our tools. I love that, Mike. So, I mean, one, two, three things that came really important to me as I was researching this. One, God is calling us, all of us, all of humankind, into a relationship in which we are co-healers of the world as opposed to um, slayers of the world or conquerors of the world, if you will, right? This is a, this is a peace-loving God that wants us to go up on a high mountain, and Richard Rohr would say that's higher consciousness, mm. that there's a higher consciousness about each other, about belonging, um, that, that, that would transform us to um, this an economic reality, a shift in economy, God's economy, of letting go of power as ability to kill, power over, but as opposed to that, a power with, a, a kind of cultivating, curating, the whole community needs to raise a village kind of power. Three, this God is speaking to all the people, not the white nationalist Christians, not the Supreme Court justices, not the Republicans who think they know what people should do with their bodies, but just to trans, just to, just to cross borders into other issues, but speaking to all of the people, like all the people have the ability to hear God speaking. And that feels to me like something from your Mennonite experience, you've moved from this to a more, a broader sense of how God is speaking in the world, am I right? Yeah, I th well, part of starting Raw Tools was getting involved in restorative justice and restorative and transformative practices. And so centering survivors and victims of violence in this process has flattened everything. If you think of power structures, that uh, even our court system has separated those who have been harmed from those who did the harm so much that someone who was harmed seeking restoration with the person that harmed them, it's really hard to make that connection. And true healing happens there. And I think, um, I think my Mennonite faith informed that a little bit or made, yeah. made me want to learn more about that. But being able to facilitate those spaces to have someone who held someone else at gunpoint and speak to them about the harm that they caused to them and for them to understand it. And then 30 minutes later, they've forehead to forehead crying with each other. To me, that's that's the, under the vine and fig tree where we're in fear of no other. We're welcoming each other with open arms instead of bearing arms. And that's that. that process. Micah ends with, we'll each have our own vine and fig tree. And Isaiah ends with, we'll walk in the light of God. And there's something about both of those two things to me that make us remember that the political is personal mm -hmm. and the personal is political. That in fact, that walking in the light of God is making sure that all of us have our own vine and fig tree, our own house, our own home, our own ability to live and have what we need to have enough for our children to be safe 
even when they're you know rowdy, um, for us to be able to be in community, loving community together, and the guns, the swords, the, all the things we weaponize, because it's not just metallurgy, right? It's not just we weaponize our values, we weaponize our religion, we weaponize our talk, we weaponize our social media, we weaponize the way we tell stories, we weaponize how we build community, how we organize. We are so not wanting to be in a we. We're often not wanting to be in a new kind of we. We're stuck in finger pointing and they. I am sometimes stuck in finger pointing and they because they get on my nerves. But I'm wondering if there's something else here for us to consider about how we rewire mm. our discourse, Mike, our, mm -hmm. even our campaigning for a better world. What do you mm -hmm. think? Yeah, I think there's some great examples of, of people doing that. Um, as you mentioned earlier, Reverend Hope that we're here with, Swords to Plowshares Northeast, who's Steve Yanofsky's also over here with Jim, who's outside in the heat with a forge that's like 2,000 degrees. But also, uh, we're connected through Faith Leaders for Ending Gun Violence, which is a new organization that teamed up. And one of those partners who some of you are probably familiar with is Clergy for Safe Cities and the God Squad here in New York City. And when gun violence happens, it's actually really hard. They, we know when we email them that it's going to be days to respond because they're actively performing funerals. And at the reception, they are, they're not just preaching because of the funeral, they're de-escalating the tension in the room mm. for whatever is going to be reciprocated for the violence that happened. So I think there's a unique space for the church yeah. to play in this getting out of this I-we or from I and into we yeah. and talking to them. Um, it's easy to, to cast everybody in a monolith, yeah. right? It's easy, to, it's easy for us to categorize everybody. But at the edges of these spaces, there are people who aren't fully in that I think there's opportunities to build on the relationships we have with folks who are willing to spend time and then we, we commit to spend time to, to, to each other and then we start breaking down those walls that they have built around us and we've built around them and we slowly have shared experiences. And I think that's why potlucks and shared food and shared experiences are so important in this. Thank you, Mike. Um, my sophisticated Posse will not be surprised at these words either, but I just want to say out loud for anyone who's listening who doesn't really know that the conversation about gun violence in the United States, where 3% of the shootings that happen are mass shootings, and that means 97% are not, it's domestic violence. It's something on the street, one person to a person. It's in a tavern. It's in a home, sadly, or it's a police-related shooting. I mean, it is a hot, hot, terrible terrible slaughter of life. In this Western nation, the rest of the world is sickened by our gun violence. And this idea that the Second Amendment is something that we need to hang on to without us understanding the roots of it is a white supremacist ideology that fleed oppression and tyranny and wanted to have a militia to protect itself from tyranny, but ultimately needed those guns to continue tyranny against escaped enslaved Africans, that's what we're talking about. So what we want to do is to, that's what we're talking about. So we want to be theological and sophisticated, and we want to sit at the feet of the holy, 
go up on the high mountain, raise our consciousness, understand what theologically is happening in these kinds of texts that paint the most beautiful poetic vision of a just world, but also take our hearts and minds to the Constitution and study and learn and look at the resource page at middlechurch.org and know why we're here. Because if we know how we got here, maybe we can unwind it and make it better. And let us not misunderstand that all of these issues are connected. We're here dealing with women's bodies. We're here dealing with trans bodies. We're here dealing with Black Lives Matter and immigration issues. We're here dealing with queer. We're here dealing with houselessness and economic injustice. And we're here dealing with guns because God wants us to build a just world in which everyone has enough. Amen. My goodness.